0: what's up guys welcome back to another daily bible reading snapshot today we're looking at exodus 9 and 10 here in the old testament then matthew 18 in the new testament so here in exodus 9 and 10 we're continuing to look at the plagues that god gives to the people of egypt why does he do it well yesterday we said the primary reason was obviously pharaoh is not letting the people of israel go so god says let my people go and if not more plagues. And that's what happens. But also we said, it's very clear here that God is proving to everyone that he is the only God. And actually, as we look at this, first of all, in chapter nine, the livestock die. So plague number five, plague number six, boils come upon that the, the people and also the animals. Then the hail rains down from the sky, big rocks of ice, right, come down from the sky. And it says that Pharaoh kind of freaked out about that. He says, he, he said, Plead with the Lord, right? Because clearly he's He's giving this hail. Plead with the Lord, for there has been enough. Um, God's thunder and hail, like we've seen it. Like I, I get it. So um, if, you're, if you're reading this for the first time, you're thinking, okay, well, maybe Pharaoh gets it now. But the problem is once the pain goes away, Pharaoh goes back to his old ways. And he says, no, you're not gonna go. And chapter 10 gives us an explanation. I think it's super interesting. The Lord said to Moses, this is the beginning of Exodus 10, the Lord said to Moses, go in to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I, may, that I may show these signs of mine among them. So God's saying, I made their heart hard so that I could continue giving the plagues. Hmm. Why would that happen? Why would God do that? Well, he says, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson, how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians And what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So God says, I'm not just doing this for the Egyptians. I'm also doing it for future generations to know that I am the only God. And it should affect the way that they live. It should affect the way they trust me. They need to know that I'm the only God. So I'm going to do this in this one generation with these Egyptians. I'm going to do it to prove to everyone that I am the Lord. And there is no other. There is no God besides me. From the rising of the sun into the east, I alone am God. I form light and I create darkness. I'm the one who does it, right? That's Isaiah 45. So the idea here is God is the only one who's doing it, and he's proving to the world. So, eighth plague, locusts. Then ninth plague, darkness. Which, again, all these different gods of the Egyptians are getting you know, taken out, and one by one. And the last gods, one of the, some of the more popular ones, Horus or Ray, um, those gods are proven to not be that strong because God can turn off the lights, right? The Egyptians worshipped a lot of sun gods, and those were some of the most popular. And the ninth plague, right, Almost the worst one, God just says, nope, lights out. You guys don't even, lights go out in your region. And it's dark, so dark, they couldn't even see their, their hand in front of their face. So just wild that God goes over the top to prove to people He is the only God. He is the sovereign God. And that's something we need to learn today, that God is sovereign. God is in control. He's sovereign over our salvation. He's sovereign over our lives. He's the one that chose what family you were born into. He's the one that chose what you look like. He chose whether or not you're a man or a woman. God is the one who chose all of that. He is sovereign. And we need to respect that and submit to him in everything. So that's Exodus 9 and 10. Today we're looking at Matthew chapter 18 in the New Testament. And it's just interesting that after we see God start to, or Jesus start to explain to Peter uh, things about the church in chapter 16. In chapter 17, he proves that he's the only God and they all get to see his power. And then in chapter 18, Jesus gives very specific instructions on how the church should operate. So a lot of what we understand the church to be today, we ha- we are indebted to Matthew 18 and the words of Jesus here to explain to us how we should function. So first of all, we see here at the beginning, Jesus elevates the position and the status of these kids. And he says, look, you got to be humble like a kid to receive the kingdom of God. I mean, you can't even be a Christian unless you have the humility of a child going to God, asking him for salvation. You can't even be saved unless you do that. But then he says, hey, woe to the world for temptations to sin, right? The world is going to experience woe, curses, wrath, because of the temptations of sin. For it's necessary that temptations should come, right? That makes sense. People are going to be tempted. But Woe to the one by whom temptations come. It's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to sin, to cause God's people to sin. Just know how serious that is. God does not want you to be an agent of temptation for other people. You are in massive trouble if you are an agent of temptation for others. Say, this says very clearly, it's bad. We don't want to be that. Then he says, there's a parable of the lost sheep. He says, hey, you know what? If a hundred sheep went astray, you know or a hundred, if you have a hundred sheep and, and one of them went astray, you know, the shepherd's going to leave 99 sheep to find that one. He says, that's what my father does. He, he leaves the 99 sheep, so to speak, to find the one. And when he finds the one, he rejoices over it, right? When he seeks them out, which again, interesting picture of our salvation, right? Are we raising our hand saying, hey, God, save us over here. And then God says, oh, thanks for raising your hand. I guess you're saved. That's not the picture in the Bible. The picture in the Bible is you're lost, God has to seek you out. And that's what we see here with this. He says, so it's the will of my father that none of these little ones should perish, right? God's gonna save all of his people. He's not gonna leave any out to dry. All of his chosen people, he's gonna save. Then he gives some instructions about the church. He says, hey, if your brother sins against you, make sure you go and try to reconcile. If he doesn't listen, bring a couple others then if he doesn't listen to them, well, then bring it to the church. And if he doesn't listen to church, then yeah, treat him like a tax collector and a sinner, right? Treat him like he's not a Christian. Don't include him in communion. Don't include him in your church service. Say, hey, you can't re- you can't come to church because you need to respond rightly to the sin. You haven't because I've addressed you. This group of witnesses has addressed you. The church has addressed you and you have been unrepentant. You're not welcome in the fellowship of God anymore. Very interesting. That's very countercultural. where our Our church culture is often like, "Hey, we're welcoming to everybody, right?" Although that's true that we're we want to be welcoming to people as we see the Father wants to find these lost sheep. That's true, but right after we need to know that. We're not welcoming to everyone because everyone would include these sinners who refuse to turn from their sin, these professing Christians who are not living for Jesus. So he says, look, you're not even allowed to come back into fellowship. Don't even hang out with them. Don't eat with them. We see more instructions about that in 1 Corinthians 5 from the Apostle Paul. But then, Jesus, to make it very clear about this, he says, look, you have some authority here as the church, but tomorrow we're gonna to read this parable about how Jesus says, if you're not forgiving, if you're not gonna be willing to embrace someone back after they've turned from their sin, that's got a big heart problem for you. It's very clear that there's a massive heart problem. So it's just cool that today, after we've seen the power of Jesus and even the power of God in the book of Exodus, we see that God has very specific instructions on how we should live the Christian life. So a couple of things that are simple here. I right, wanna be humble, all Right, we wanna avoid being a temptation for others. And also we want to rejoice in the work that God's doing, be very excited that God is saving people. But also we want to make sure that we're restoring relationships correctly according to what Matthew 18 says. So thanks for reading. We'll see you back tomorrow for another daily Bible reading snapshot.